I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Would you believe that I have bumped into Jill Holden and her thriving is what really attracted me to ask her to have to join Thriving Matters podcast for a conversation about what it is she does in life and work that is the basis of her thriving. Now, we all know that thriving isn't easy and it's a bit more like the roller coaster ride through life and work, isn't it? But there are ways that we can actually make that roller coaster ride far more enjoyable than it possibly could be. So, how are you today, Jill? <laughs> I am good, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you know what? I, I love one of your uh, quotes. There's nothing more beautiful and rewarding than to offer a flicker of hope for a person who has lost their spark through life's often painful journey. Mm. Now, Jill, Jill has a business called Clover Lane and her tagline for Clover Lane is people, passion and purpose. So let's discover what it is that is the people, passion, purpose of her thriving in life. So Jill, you are so welcome today. So Thank I know you. that uh, we're uh, across the border. You're down in Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. And we're in Sydney. We're um, at the, we're basically at the end of September Today is the final day of September for 2021. Isn't it unbelievable? Where has the year gone? <laughs> I do not know. It is a really crazy ride, isn't it? And I mean, the fact that we've been in lockdown for all of these days in Melbourne and we've hit 1,400 cases today in itself, oh. which is a bit of a blow. But in saying that, I think we're all kind of learning to look at the VAX numbers more so than the case numbers. Yep. So that's got to me that mentally helps me um, because that's what's going to help us move forward, right? The more people, to me, the more people that are vaccinated, you know, we have an opportunity for a bit more freedom. And, you know, potentially then we have that, that opportunity to move forward with our, with our dreams and our passions and our, and our visions. And, you know, this is going to be a completely different world we live in. The outside is different. We're not getting out the same way as we came in. And I say that all the time. Oh, that's so apt, isn't it? Yeah. And absolutely. At the at the core of even what we're talking about this morning, uh, the fact is the fact that people matter. And that's what yeah, this, right. is, this is all about. Our mindset around yeah. you know our passion and purpose and how we look at things. And uh, so tell yeah. me what uh, what actually what put do I do? Smile on your face. <laughs> I'll put a smile on your face this morning. <laughs> lots of people, uh, lots of things put smiles on my face every morning. I wake up at 2 a.m. Usually I'm a bit of a, uh, I'm a, an early to bed person. I'm an early to rise person, but I have this kind of moment in the middle of the night that I wake up with light bulbs flickering all over the place. And, 
Look, I've kind of consistently done that for over years. You know, it's always been a thing for me where my greatest and most uh, most important brain waves happen between two and four. And I used to fight that. I was, I was a fighter of that because people would say, or you would hear that that's not a good thing, that you should try and, you know, listen to calming music, go back to sleep. But I find that that's when I really kind of, I, I come up with all sorts of crazy and amazing ideas between that time. So I'm learning to go with it and actually not fight it anymore. And one of those unusual moments was I woke up at 2am and I thought I need to have merchandise for my business right okay. I want to kind of have I and I've been thinking of this for a while where I want to have something that I can give to my clients at the end of our you know connection or my candidates that I work with something that leaves them with a lasting feeling of growth and you know when you think of things like merchandise you know there's cups and there's hats and there's lanyards and there's all these things that everyone else is doing <laughs> and I thought no I don't want any of that that's not representing growth to me and when I'm working with individuals I'm working with them about their purpose you know finding employment that works and speaks to their values and I really emphasize that what can I give them that would represent growth and I thought something that they can grow and then I thought hydroponics, you know, create these little kind, my, my partner creates these um, beautiful aquaponic systems. So he's now going to, I woke up and I said, you got to do this for me. So he's going to create these lovely little pots Aww. with a starter kit for a hydroponic system that they can have on their bench. And I thought, that's it. So there's, that's what, that's what made me smile today. Oh, I was really? so excited with this idea that the growth would then you know, I'm offering growth in, in within self, but we're actually then using and we're, we're also not only that, but we're using utilizing uh, materials that we can recycle as well. Well, it's a beautiful metaphor. It, yeah, absolutely. Right. It goes with your your label, Clover Lane. Yeah. It goes with that. Um, but yeah. let's talk a little bit about why you do what you do. So mm. you have a background. Yeah. So look, you know, this is a long story and probably way longer than an hour, but let's try and put it into a little synopsis. You know, uh, you know, I came to Australia when I was 18 years of age. You know, huh? I was here from a, a very young age. And you look, you, you don't get to do something like that. Um, having lived in Ireland for the, you know, the first part of my life as in my childhood yeah. and you don't, and, and, you know, my dad passed away when I was 14. So I always felt like I had this kind of longing to seek uh, I now realize at 46 that what I was doing was seeking him really and yeah. the love that we lose when we lose a, a parent at that young age. So being in Australia from the age of um, 18, which was only four years beyond my dad passing away, right? Yeah. Um, I was on this journey and I guess it, it ended up being quite destructive to self because I was allowing in people and business and let's say not just people but working in organizations and allowing friendships and relationships that really didn't speak to me or didn't benefit me in any way shape or form right so I I I, I felt and now when I look back I I realized that I was kind of unraveling this jigsaw of what this all meant and so what I would find is even in those early days the organization would always kind of accidentally put me into the human resource area where people would be drawn 
to listen to how I would kind of unpack a situation or, you know, if something wasn't right, okay, let's see what this means. What does it mean to you? Where's your value base? I always had that kind of unusual ability, even at a young age to do that. And then, of course, as I had my own experiences, I had this terrible bullying um, experience when I was probably, look, I was a young mom and I was now a single young mom, but I was, um, I worked in an organization that was like a factory setting and the boss was horrendous. He absolutely, I mean, hates a strong word, but he hated me. And he used to tell me that, uh, he used to tell the other people that worked there, if they communicated with me, they'd, that they'd get sacked. So that's how pigeonholed he had me. But I didn't leave. I didn't leave the organization. I was determined to stay. And I was determined to find out what it was that he felt that he didn't like about me or what it was and the reasons behind all of that. Anyway, um, in the end, I stayed for four years. And he, when I handed in my resignation, he asked me if I'd stay. And oh, wow. It was a really interesting thing. And I, when I was there, I became almost a mentor for, for the others. And I would see others get bullied or deal with the same things. And I would talk to them about, you know, why are you staying? Even though I was staying too, I always had the ability to hover above a bad situation. Oh, and I love see that. it from a different angle. So I felt like that was a very natural thing for me to do. I didn't realize that wasn't natural for everybody. I mm. thought everyone was doing the same thing, you know. Um, and I guess that's where the mentoring component came in, where I was, you know, I became a lean for others. Um, so you can see that this was always something that I found myself within. And then, of course, I studied in HR and I, you know, I, I, I found myself then accidentally in the healthcare space. I could see lots of great things, but also lots of not so great ways that we were managing that space. And I knew probably about 10 years ago, again, I'm 46. So, you know, it, it was mid 30s where I realized I have to have my own recruitment business because (laughs) my purpose behind that was frustration more than anything else I was dealing with recruiters I was you know I was part of the management team within the organizations and dealing with the recruitment space gave me the ability to see all the things that I didn't that I knew shouldn't happen and so I knew then if I was going to do my own or have my own business, it would be doing all of those things, bringing all of those methodologies, all of those learnings throughout the year, years, um, and putting them all together in a way that would deliver a different holistic approach to how we manage people and calling out those bullies and saying, well, actually, no, you're an organization that I wouldn't want to work with just because you're offering me a fee doesn't mean I'll necessarily want to work with you. So, you know, it's about that kind of social justice component of it as well, you know, um, that I felt I felt really, really important. But just to top that off, going back to that manager when I was very, very young, when he asked me to stay and offered me a pay rise after four years of of I, I, I was staying not to put up with his bullying. I was staying because I felt like it was a social experiment in my brain. I was more interested. I, I didn't feel affected by his bullying. I just kind of got in and done my job. Right. But I was able to kind of look at it in a different perspective, from a different perspective. And in the end, I said to him, um, not only would I not stay and work with you, but I've learned so much from you. 
that I will remember this for the rest of my life and you will be a case study for me when I and I was 22 when I said that to him wow and I still talk about that today and so he was shocked because I had the courage I guess to even say that um but god there was a great lesson in in that now not I'm not suggesting everyone stay around in a bullying situation quite the opposite but that was just my way and I knew then that there was a calling for me that I had to follow well our vulnerability in those situations is, is often our greatest teacher yeah yeah right and so you know, we don't always know that, right? So we don't know that. We don't know that we're, we know that we're vulnerable. That's all Mm -hmm. we know. In that moment, we know this feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I feel vulnerable. And the other thing that it does is it makes us question ourselves, right? Like, you know, who am I? Am I good enough? It's an abuse. So going through those things is abuse. And, you know, I then married and ended up in not such great situation when I was married, you know, um, that mimicked a lot of the behaviors that I experienced in this workplace. And, you know, I often call myself, which sounds a little bit probably OTT, but I often call myself like the relationship, like I feel like I'm almost a counselor for businesses because you are effectively managing relationships here. This is managing relationships. And if you, if you bring me in to find your people, you need to trust me that I'm actually genuinely going to care about not only you, but the people. So I want to make sure that if we're partnering together, mm. that you're, you're going to treat my people. Because as soon as they come to me, they're, they, you know, I attach myself to caring for them. Mm. I want to know that you're going to treat them well. You know? So there's a bit of a kind of, this is a relationship build. But the responsibility for you and your role in recruiting is yeah. to look after your family. And that's what you're basically Well, that's doing. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. So yeah. you see, I see a huge synergy between, you know, uh, and I, this sounds, again, probably over the top, but, you know, a 14-year-old losing her dad, the, the cracks that that creates in you and your relationships and what that does for you when you move forward. And then to move to Australia to make all these new relationships, new business ideas, you know, even just new working arrangements, then to, you know, be attached to that whole mentoring coaching space from a very young age to recognize the bullies, to then have my own business. And here I am doing exactly the same things as I was doing back then, but just being much more clear and open and honest and raw and real about how I make that happen, you know, for a business and for an individual. Yeah. And your story is one of flipping, flipping the mindset for the best Uh, people connection for whatever it is that you're doing yeah yeah and I I think it's so important you know I think that we have we now have to see how we deliver business just so very differently to even let's just even say pre-COVID because we've got this pre-present and post-COVID situation that we're going to be in and our minds are flipping are flipping between those three scenarios you know we often find ourselves reminiscing on the pre-COVID way of life (laughs) let me tell you that was some of my most frustrating times because all of the methodologies that I run by now is things that I would have shouted to the rooftops in the past where I'm saying, this is, we're doing this wrong. You know, this is not how we should be moving forward. I, I found huge frustrations with this. It wasn't until COVID hit when businesses started to fall off 
basically, especially mm-hmm. recruitment, it was majorly hit because mm-hmm. those traditional methodologies don't fit in this new way of life and they're never going to fit in it again. And mm-hmm. I'm watching it crumble around me, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I knew this was going to happen. This was so obvious. Did we, did we need a pandemic before we realized that, hey, Mm. You know, something needed to change. Something's got to give. We can't continue with this um, this old way of living and working. You know? There's something about disruption, isn't there? That um, um, I love. Um, I love our um, indigenous stories around the meetings of, say, the inland water, the river water, and the sea water, and yes. the brackish water where where the the two lots of waters meet mm. and that's the disruption that's oh, where that's just coming incredible. together but there's yeah. an unsettling and right. um and I think it's a beautiful metaphor for what I believe we're living in yeah and and watching and partaking but also having some influence in yeah um, in, absolutely in I mean yeah you know I I keep saying it and I say this to my clients all the time you know and my candidates my clients and my candidates is two worlds you know I'm working for the organization but I'm actually not only working for them I make that very clear I'm working for the individual Um, and if you're going to come with come to me with a demographic that you want that's specific and you know technically minded only I'm probably not your girl right? I'm probably not your girl. I'm probably not the business you need to partner with. And I'm okay in saying that. And I lose no ego. My ego is not bruised by not being the right person for you. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm very confident and comfortable with not being the right fit for every organization. That's fine by me, because in fact, I'd rather not partner with somebody who doesn't see my values and what I'm trying to do and achieve here as beneficial. What's the point? It's just it's a waste of time, right, for them and for me. The results. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so but it's also acknowledging that there's an abundance of yeah. of of possibility and opportunity absolutely. for us all. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I'm a big one for that. You know, I'm big for. Um, you know, I speak, there's so many great things happening, by the way, but I, I speak to people all the time, just like you do. Um, but I, I'm always speaking about, a, again, I go back to the pre-COVID, present COVID, post-COVID uh, conversation. Pre-COVID, I can't tell you, and particularly in my industry, right, of recruitment and human resources, where, and look, I've got some, I have to firstly say, I've got some amazing people in this industry that I would send anyone to because they're just incredible but I keep a very close uh, loop if that makes sense so I keep these people super close to where I am they're Mm -hmm. always there at the the drop of a hat if I need or if they need me Mm -hmm. Um, but I make no time I make I am I am brutal when it comes to you know, moving those people out of my circle who are just not actually beneficial to, to the values that we have and, and, and we try and deliver. Um, but I can tell you that um, the pre-COVID world was very much a space where sharing our knowledge and sharing our methodologies, I use that word a lot, by the way, because I think methodology is a huge, yep. it's, it's, you know, very specific to what I do. Um, and sharing everything that we learn, I'm a big sharer, you know, so if I, if I know something works, I want you to know what that is. Uh-huh. 
especially if you're in the industry that I'm in, because if you're going to be working with your clients and my clients have come back to me and said, wow, that's amazing. That worked really well. We're so happy. Why not share that? Yes. Give it, get, share yes. the knowledge, yes. share the love. Yes. But you, yes. you would be probably not surprised, but let me tell you, there was a whole place in the pre-COVID world where that, that knowledge was like not only in a vault, but it was locked up and, oh. you know, the, the, the keeping of, of good ways of doing things was such a, a way to be. It was just such a norm in this industry. Again, one of the frustrations I used to shout from the rooftop, you can imagine that I probably wasn't the most favored of people um, when working for an organization because I had this kind of vision. But the thing was, my vision was for them because at that point I wasn't in my own business. So I was really happy to share my thoughts and ideas and give it to them. I wanted them to take it on. But I can't tell you how many times I was knocked off my perch and told, if you don't know anything, you know, yeah. you're, not the, you're not the director you're not the person who owns the business and you, you put back in your box more times than not. Mm. And I kind of feel like now in part of me, I think I look back and think I tried to help you, but you just weren't prepared to listen, you know? And I that's wonder if they just weren't people. ready. They probably aren't. I don't think they were. They're ready. You're ahead I think of they the were time. scared. They just actually a, think there was nerves around that. Yeah, you know? yeah. fear. Yeah. Fear yeah. is, is Absolutely. huge. It? It's a big yeah. blocker to even looking outside the possibility. Yeah. And yeah. because it, it, it goes against your sense of certainty and your sense of status. Absolutely. And your sense of, yeah, fairness. No, it's so true. Things. It's and so true. You're, if you're the new kid on the block and, <laughs> you, you know, and you're, you know, you're actually getting results, you're threatening other people. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But here's the thing. Now that's the case. But I was working in the organizations before. And yeah. I guess I wasn't. I just felt like they just couldn't see that they didn't have that same visual. I've had this vision for years. So, you know, as you know, my business is COVID born, right? So my own business, Clover Lane is COVID born. Uh -huh. And why Clover Lane? I mean, people ask me that all the time. But Clover Lane, Clover, the Clover is, uh, you know, the Clover stands for faith, hope, love and luck. Each leaf represents faith hope love and luck and if you can think of anything else that we needed and when we were on at the onset of a global yeah. pandemic let's be honest all four of those we were all desperately in need of so given the fact that I'm Irish as well made sense that that was right. my emblem right um, but it didn't only mean the clover it was the fact that they had those meanings behind it and I thought you know I'm starting a business at the beginning of a pandemic What's the chances of my success? And I thought, well, who cares? Actually, I'm just going to go for it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, I'll just do something else, right? Um, I didn't really, I mean, I was a little bit nervous, of course, you know, because you're putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself out on the limb and you don't know what's going to happen. But I did, my overall thought was, who cares? And all of those things that I had accumulated over now, I'm saying, going to say a 10-year period. Mm. This wasn't something, it was COVID-born, but not COVID-thought. My thoughts yeah. and my business was brewing in my brain. And every time I'd have a methodology, again, I use that word, every time I thought of a way or something that we could do different or a better way of trading people in business and you know, employment, I'd bring to them, but it was never really looked at. And I thought, okay, well, if you don't look at it, I'll do it myself. Do it yourself. And that was and you it. You know what? As you're talking, um, mm -hmm. the lane bit, for me, yeah. laneway 
a laneway yeah, yeah. is yeah. is is from somewhere you start you walk you that's right use the laneway and it joins with something else it gets well, you to the it. next place can I tell you a little bit about the laneway? Um, do you, have you got time for me to tell you about the laneway? Absolutely. So the laneway, so Clover, as you know, faith, hope, love and luck. And that's, you know, that represents what it represents, makes perfect sense. It fits. But people always say, why did you put lane in? And I've heard loads of businesses with the name lane, but it actually meant something for me. I'm from Dublin, but I'm also from part of my growing up was in a, a beautiful place called Greg Namana. County Kilkenny and um uh-huh. and there's a there's the smallest laneway in the world in Greg Namana but the, the woman and I look I should know this off the top of my head but the woman that lived next door can't the name's not with me right now all of these years ago let's say 100 years ago um she lived in this house and then they were they, they, they planners or whatever came in to build beyond the house she was worried about losing her access to the beautiful uh the river uh, mouth she had this kind of lovely house small little house and so she asked them can you put a laneway beside my house so I can continue to see the beauty uh, beyond the house and so they said what size lane and she says just the width of myself so there's this smallest lane. It's an actual true story in this beautiful. And I remember that place when I was a child, one of the most beautiful places where you could go and get lost um, in your mind and your thoughts. And, you know, we would as children hang out there and play. But I always looked at that one spot as a place of dreams, you know, ah. where dreams come true. And true. a laneway is where you stroll, is where you you know, you, you can go to rest or you can go to think and you can go to make things happen, you know? Yes. Um, so there's the reason for my lane. It wasn't just a random thought. Um, I love it. Yeah. It works, it works so well. It was, yeah. while you were talking, I'm going, oh, this is sensational. And I actually had gotten a picture of some of the laneways in Melbourne that connect us, you know, the oh, graffiti. Love it. Yeah. Colour, the texture, the, the life experience, the voice. I love it. And, you know, yeah, the, the right. number of people that go, they've got to go with the camera, go to the yeah. lanes, be there. Melbourne you know? is amazing. I mean, I just, I feel so grateful that we live in such a beautiful place, mm. you know. And when I was in the city of Melbourne working, you know, I took, I soaked up every single ounce of laneway and coffee shop and, you know, a little restaurant. Melbourne is just a magical place. So, um yeah, and yeah, you're right. The fact that the laneway is very representative of Melbourne. Yeah, there yeah. you go. It works, right? Clover it, it lane. Does work. <laughs> but you, you're. I, I think what's coming out here in this conversation is that the way you're thriving in your life and work is linked exactly to yeah. moving, uh, looking at the beauty of that laneway possibility for the people. Yeah. Who, who come and work with you absolutely you know, and how it's it's reciproc- reciprocated it's yeah. not relationships aren't just about someone taking everything and giving mm. nothing um it no. to me it's you know some days it's 60 40 some days it's 80 20 That's vice right. versa 90 10 but it's a relationship and so you're talking about the human connection here you're leading what matters yeah your your, your processes so you know, you've got a teaching, you've talked about your methodology. Would you like to share that with some of our listeners mm. as well? Yeah, um, yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I, you know, and again, I go back to the recruitment space, um, you know, and the traditional methodologies that we would, uh, we'd go through. I mean, recruitment has been in play forever, right? You know, we recruit our children to do the dishes and we tell them they do a great job, right? Rosters. Yeah, there's rosters and there's recruitment for different things, just even, and we don't even realize that we just do it, right? That's the way we work. That's the way we live as humans. We are constantly bringing people in to do things better. And the other thing that we do without even realizing it is we recognize who does what well, where and how. And when you articulate that then in a business, um, often that can get lost, right? So they get the, the, the whole idea that I'm here for a purpose, Carrie, like I'm here for a purpose, I do something well. That may be very different, most likely to your doings and what you do well. Yeah. And we even had that little brief conversation before where, you know, I, I like to write. I think I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. But, you know, so there's all those things that we do better than others and we and we should have the ability to recognize it often they get roadblocked. They get roadblocked from the get-go because we start a job, you know, here's your job description. These are the list of things that you have to do. Do them, don't complain, get on with it. And, you know, and don't want to leave ever because I need you, you know? So there's a little bit of a mismatch of, hang on, you know, what's my purpose? Why do I want this job? Um, You know, what is the organization? are our values aligned yep that's a huge one that gets missed and I bring that up a lot um and and do I want you know can not do I want but can I offer or can I bring value and can that value come back to me like well I feel when I leave the at the end of the day well that was a, a great day and I'm super excited about getting up in the morning and we just don't have that sorted out right we don't and we have no choice moving forward we have to have a better way of doing this because we're moving into a bit of a freelance world, I feel. And we're not, we're not going to be employing, we're not going to have nine to fives anymore. We will, they'll be there, but they're not going to be the only thing that's there. There's going to be other options and other ways. So you see, this is where the methodology comes in. And yeah. when I am communicating with a client, you know, they'll often say, uh, and with every respect, I say this, but clients will often say to me, oh, you know, I need this or I need that or I need a manager or I need a CEO or I need a, a PA or whatever it may be. And I will always open that with the question of, you know, well, tell me what it is you need them for. Right? Do you need that? For a? So what I'm trying to determine is, is that actually what they do need? Yeah. Or do they think they need that? Right. Because. They don't often know. They just know they need someone to help fix the pain that they're dealing with because they can't do their job in its entirety. And if you can't do your job in its entirety, that means you need somebody else to help you do all of the things that you can't do well or don't want to do. (laughs) So who does that? What does that person look like? So they don't often know that. So they'll often give me the answer of, well, I need this and I need that. I want to do this and I want to, you know, I want, you know, all my admin done or my marketing or I want, you know, somebody needs to sort my finances and so on. You know, we go through these, this whole list of uh, understanding. And at the end of it, at the end of the, this brief, I will often say, you know, so would you like me to tell you what you really need, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, look, that sometimes that's not accepted. And it's like, no, this is what I want. And that's fine, because yeah. ultimately I'm there to listen and that's OK. But I can also hear in the listening that what it is that they need is very can often be not always, but often be very different. And yeah. if you were to go to market with what they were seeking, 
you're actually going to find them somebody who's not going to work. So this is where, again, my methodology comes in, because when I really map, there's a whole process of mapping that that course with the client and understanding the business and not only understanding the individual, the person I'm speaking to, but I need to know the business. I want to know more about it. I want to get down and dirty. I want to, I want to understand the dynamics. I want to understand um, how they get on. What's the culture of the organization? What are their values that they live by? All of that supports me when I go, when I walk away and I can reflect upon the organization and say, okay, I really get a feel for who I need to be seeking. So when I'm going to market to seek those individuals, it then helps me in the process of when I'm engaging those candidates where I can then say, actually, this is who the organization is. And this is why I'm really passionate about working for them. I don't want to just work for someone. I want to feel a passion for working for them. I want to, I want to make that be, you know, the one reason for my existence within their organization. Otherwise they may as well do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So This again is it comes back to the the relationship component when I'm engaging those candidates. Now I can talk about my passion for the organization, can have a little bit of lightheartedness about my connection with the individual. um, And then I can start mapping this uh, candidate profile. Uh Um, And I'm not mapping the profile for the organization alone. I need the candidate to know that I'm mapping it for them, too, because I don't want to put them in a role that they don't want to be in or that it's not going to work or it's going to fail in three months time, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's deeply caring model. It's not yeah. just a business model. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a human centered model. Um, yes, and it really is. there would have been a lot of criticism around recruitment, um, oh. at, you know, the, the, the way recruitment was done and whether people, I mean, yeah. I, I left a large organization to do more of what I love. And so that's the big, it's, it's like you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the seeing the beauty, seeing the beauty in what Absolutely. you do, but it's in the connections that you make and it's the care for each other. Um, yeah. And look, it's, you're right. It's, um, you know, I, I, just on that recruitment does not have a good name, you know, like, let's be clear. Now I'm in an industry that has, um, and again, I, I, I reference all those wonderful recruiters and, and <laughs> organizers that are there's some amazing ones out there that I look up to and I'd use as yeah. my own mentors because they're just really solid people and organizations. But, oh, there's there's a lot of not, you know, there's a lot of just negativity. Um, it's very it's been very salesy over the years. You know, mm. um, I don't work. I, I'm very big again on um, value proposition. You know, I don't work on, I I don't ever work on a contingent basis. Um, I don't think that's value for the client, actually. I don't think it's value for them, for me to work contingently with their, or with with them and then be in arguments, not in arguments, wrong way of saying it, but in compete with other recruiters who will be seeking candidates and hopefully winning the role by giving you as many as they, and hopefully somebody sticks. Yeah. By having that contingent approach to me actually dilutes what I deliver and I just can't and won't do that. So if a, if a client ever says to me, oh, no, no, I want to work contingently. I want to I want to open up to a few different recruiters. That's fine. They can, but it won't be with me because you can't get this value. You can't add this value when you've got other recruiters on your coattails. Yeah. 
you just can't do it it's not it's just this there is to me there's no value now look there's loads of contingent recruiters out there who would probably argue with me and, and I'm sure do a fabulous job but for me and what I'm trying to achieve and having that 100% focus on the organization and the individuals they need they need me to be retained and it needs to be exclusive it just mm-hmm. just the way it is and that that's except when I explain that they love it they accept it they say oh yeah no that makes sense you know but it's just that explanation and you know um understanding that value proposition to begin with right um and having that space then where they know that the candidates are you know there's a whole journey that a candidate goes on with me they they go on a journey it's not just hey how are you have you got your resume you know uh <laughs> yeah, you look like you might work, I'll throw it in. There's a whole process and journey of meeting, of getting together, of values, of coaching, you know? Yeah. There's a yeah. whole a whole journey that we go okay. on before they even meet the client. So they know me before they meet the client, which is, you know, and then the client knows me. And then there's, again, it's yeah. that relationship building and in-betweener. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful ecosystem. ecosystem of relationship and care which all all the research is telling us now that for for an uncertain future and let's face it Mm. it's still uncertain we're we're navigating it as we as we uh we wake up each day um people are still a common denominator here no matter what role they'll be doing whatever what what jobs are available Mm. um and let's hope that uh the partnerships we make with someone like yourself, Jill, I'd want you in my corner. I tell you now, I'd, Good. I love hearing really, that. <laughs> I would want you in my corner. Yeah. So I'm interested in finding out what it is you've got in place mm-hmm. to help you be the best you can be, not for yourself, for your own, for Clover Lane, but right. also for, for the the clients that you have, the clients and the people that you're recruiting. What what do you do to, to, to help you thrive? Yeah. Oh, look, you know, there's there's you have to break this up in different sections because there's a whole host of different things that I do. Um, But firstly, on a personal level, I think it's important for my clients to know that I actually care about me first. Uh Right. So, you know, it's a bit, you know, my daughter made a really good comment to me recently and I use this now. And I, I think I actually told you this, but anyway, she made a comment where she, and again, I bring it back to the relationship component, the personal relationships. And she was, you know, she was dating this guy and she said to me, mom, um, I mean, I really like him, but I love me more. Right. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I actually was telling a few of the girls this one uh, in one of our groups. And, and I thought, oh my, okay, I've done something right here. <laughs> That's what I thought when she said that, but I thought what a great thing to say, but also, what a great thing for us in business when we are focusing on moving forward and what we deliver, you know, my clients need to know that I actually genuinely care about me and my health and how I show up, right? Yeah. So that comes from a personal perspective. So my day starts off around 5.30, you know, I get up, I, I spend my first hour on me and that can be yoga, it might be a walk, um, it might be a workout. It just goes with what I need in that moment. Yeah. I have celery juice and water for my first drink <laughs> and that and some um, apple cider vinegar. So I have this little kind of ritual that I follow in the morning yeah. and that hour is mine and I don't care what happens. Um, my phone can go. 
anything. I'm not looking at it. It's my hour. And then my coffee is made and I'm happy. And I'm, you know, I'm getting myself ready and I'm preparing my brain for the day ahead. Um, And then I'm in, you know, then I'm all in what clients I'm working with. I'm invested in them. I'm focusing fully on them. I'm focusing on my candidates. I use specific, again, methodologies for the day that I follow. So, you know, um, there's, there's certain platforms that I use that integrate with each other, that all speak to each other. My clients are able to follow that journey so they can watch what I'm doing. Uh-huh. and see the journey that I take them on. So there's this whole process that I take um, that brings them along, you know. So And they once they get used to that, they think, I know there's a comfort and a trust. So it's all about trust, yep. honesty, and having that integrity where they can, there's nothing that they can't see, right? Um, and then from, a, from a, uh, an industry perspective, I constantly learn. I'm constantly open to learning new ways, new things. I'm open to anything. I, I, to be honest with you, I'm open to anything that will challenge me, but challenge the status quo. I'm a big status quo challenger. Yeah. Um, let's not stick with the norm. Just because I have a belief doesn't mean it's the right one, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, and I'm open to new perspectives. I'm open to ideas. So I'm always looking for industry knowledge. I'm always looking to learn more. Um, yeah, yeah learning to me I don't care what industry we're in I think we have to we have to keep we have to keep on the front foot of our learnings right yeah and um, and the other thing I do is I um, I will engage I will engage the clients as well and you know ask them I'll ask them what do you think tell me what it is you think that I'm doing right and wrong yeah. um give me your constructive criticism around what you think I could have done better. I always ask that at the, look, I ask that consistently throughout our engagement, but I always want that as feedback at the end. Yeah. Anything else I could have done that would have been different for you um, in this journey. Yeah. I I love asking um, what went well. Yeah. And then the follow-up is even better if even better yeah that's really and good it's, and it, it, work, it always works yeah Jill yeah. you're you there'd be many young people or uh, people here who have yeah. lost their jobs who um who have got very different circumstances um who would be very interested in yeah. in the way you've structured your business based on your values and really your life journey to date uh, pretty brave, pretty courageous trip to Australia at 18 years of age to an unlo- un- unknown land, a culture that's quite different, uh, but with some yeah. similarities. Um, but I'm very glad you, you did make that passage. Yeah, <laughs> me too now. You know, it wasn't an easy one. It was not an easy oh. one. And the, uh, my dad used to say this, and I think it was a George Bernard Shaw quote, but it says something like, if you can't you can't get rid of the skeletons in the closet best you teach them how to dance and I thought I love this so much because I really love this and I I I always think of it because um you know and for those young people out there and even actually not young people they might be older you know it might be people who's been made redundant at a later stage ageism is a thing right so we you know I'm big on I'm open up to I open to all ages in fact because I can see the roadblocks for each yeah. Uh, generation if that makes sense yeah um there are so many skeletons in all of our closets 
but and, so true and that and you know what we we try we have this thing where we think um this is something that's happened in my past so we allow it to dictate our present and our future and I say to candidates all the time um you know they'll often say I'll say to them so you know what what is it that interests you in the role and I can't tell you how many people will say to me oh I don't know if it's for me though like maybe I wouldn't be able to and I'll say well tell me talk talk to me about what that means to you why can why do you think that that you couldn't do this and it will always come down to something that they've experienced in their past that's kind of chiseled away at their self-worth or their purpose so they don't actually know what that even means anymore and that's the whole skeletons in the closet right and I am oh I'm so okay with saying to anyone that I communicate with if I could if I opened my closet door of skeletons you know the room would be filled right it would be rattling wouldn't it it would be (laughs) rattling and I'm okay with that because our past doesn't have to predict our future and we can be okay with dancing with the skeletons if we learn from those mistakes and we can you know bring ourselves to a different place if everything that we've gone through painful awful you know bad good and bad um if we can bring that with us on the journey and say you know what I'm at peace with that now I'm at peace with that and this is who I am today and that's absolutely okay there's nothing that we can't do that I read that sounds like a bit of a cliche but I do believe that there's nothing that can't be achieved if we genuinely want to achieve it it just depends on whether we want to do that or not right well there's magic in all of us absolutely there's magic in in the situations that you think are detrimental or or there's no return from but there Mm -hmm. is magic within us and mindset is what exactly what we've been talking about a a way to thrive in life and work Mm. that matches your value systems Mm. and that gives you so much joy and I tell you what I still say I'd want you in my corner Jill and I love that I really do that makes me happy because you know like I'm a human like everyone else there's days where you think oh my goodness you know what's going to happen nobody's really hearing this you know I go through all of those things but I've learned how to kind of allow myself the moment and then go, okay, back to it. And I kind of flick into yeah. my next yeah. way of thinking and just keep moving. You're obviously in the right direction. The that's other thing it. is the take a chance on me component. And that's why I've focused take a chance on me, um, the not-for-profit sector of what I do uh-huh. for individuals who may have experienced um, all sorts of different kind of unusual backgrounds you know it could be family violence it might be that they've been in prison they may have been on drugs they may have you know been made redundant and just doesn't know how to get back to work I don't know we go through all sorts of different things and to me people are people and I don't judge anyone so and I think we should be coming to we should be coming we should be arriving at a place where we see people as um you know, important, the importance of them being in our circle and making them feel like, does it matter? You know, you can tell me your story, but I'm not going to judge you on it. Yeah. And just because you've been homeless or just because you've been on drugs or just because you've had this horrendous situation with family violence, whatever it may be, or just because you've been in prison. Okay. So what now? What, what's next? What's, so I'm, I, I'm part of the journey and I want to be part of the journey of the what next part right? I don't want to be, we don't have to stay stuck in the past. I am only here. We can talk, we can briefly talk about what you've experienced, but I'm on this part of the journey to bring you forward. So if you want to come with me, 
by all means join hop on the train i say you know um i love it take a chance on me so listeners that is um a beautiful uh outreach that jill jill has built into not only her um clover lane um ethos but her personal ethos her her value system um and uh i just go everybody is somebody's beautiful baby oh everybody and when and you know if i want if you know if it twigs some heartfelt response from us as we say that we all have to believe that we are unique creations and our possibility is over and up to us and everyone i believe is in is entitled to a second chance so seeking to understand that is part of our part of our job and uh, I think so. no judgment but just seek to understand yeah seek to understand and you know how many people will be turned away for jobs because they've had an experience or they might they might pose threat you know they've had this bad experience so we don't want to bring that danger to our workplace door you know you know we, yep. we we're not going to say those things right but we know they're going to be judged quietly and yeah. so what i'm asking and I, and I communicate with the clients, the client is, let's look at that, let's unpack that judgment and say, hmm, okay, the experience has been had. And if an individual has gone through something, more the reason to give them a second chance, if they're knocking on the door of second chance, you can't help people who don't want to be helped. I've learned that yep. the hard way, right? So this is not me seeking out the individual. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They're seeking me out. They're saying, well, I have gone through this. You seem like a safe space to talk about this. Yeah. Can you help me? So take a chance on me is uh, coaching, is actually coaching yeah. for people who fall in under these categories. And um, I've now got, um, I, won't, I won't talk about names or anything, but I have made this absolutely incredible connection with another uh, person who wants to join. He's a coach who wants to join me to help support this coaching um, in his business. So he's now coming together with me and we're talking about how we deliver those coaching methodologies again together um, for for those candidates who would fall in underneath the Take a Chance on Me banner, which is just amazing. amazing. Um, Yeah. So there's so many things that's happening, so many things to get excited about. And I think the more people that get involved with that, there's not a business in this world that couldn't look at that and say, hmm, okay, I can get involved yeah. with Take a Chance on Me. What can I do that could give back from my business perspective? Who could work with me who's potentially been through that yeah. awful, you know, uh, awful circumstance and how, and how can I make that be a benefit for them? And, you know, you're actually changing people's lives. So I think, yeah. why are we not doing more of that, you know? Well, let's let's hope that we we uh, really engender some some thinking about this from those who are listening yeah. to us. So, yeah, absolutely. Jill, I have had a beautiful conversation with you today. It is it has been delightful, and I know our listeners will really look up Clover Lane. They'll have a think about what it is that they're doing in their in their life mm. to be able to say, "Take a chance on me," and. Um, I'll take a chance on you. I think we oh, could we, we could actually flip yeah. that flip that nicely. But your thriving all comes down to looking at your your place in life, mm. what's happened to you, using that as as the fuel to actually charge up your values and to 
give you that can do attitude Definitely. and that's that's just been so precious today so the best place to find you uh is uh yeah so my my website is uh just cloverlane.com you'll find you know www.cloverlane.com um i'm on linkedin uh if i think i've i've sent you the link so maybe you can yeah, share yeah, the I'll link that in the notes. Yeah. yeah and um yeah, they're probably the two best places to find me, to be honest. I'm always on LinkedIn. If I'm not looking or finding, yeah. I'm connecting. I just yeah. think it's been a brilliant connector for me. And I use that from a business perspective as well, which yeah. is great. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm around if anyone is in, interested to connect. <laughs> oh, I love it. So listeners, great to have you with us today. If you'd like to know more about what I do, Carrie Benedette, um, pop on to uh, just that, carriebenedette.com. You'll find me on all socials and LinkedIn as well. But the joy that I get from talking to uh, others, having the conversations about how to thrive in life and work, really brings to the fore ordinary gals like Jill Holden who are doing extraordinary things. And all of us have the capacity to do that. And I love being able to define and share the stories. That's part of the deal. You are all global leaders within your own right. Our world is now globally connected within seconds. We don't need passports or visas anymore. We just go to the source. We use our technology for good purposes um, to, to do the connections, the human connections. So it's over to you now. If you enjoyed this episode with Jill Holden, um, please pop on to your favourite podcast app. Give us some love. Everybody likes that. Mm. Write a review for us and share with somebody who you think will be interested in the conversation today. Um, thanks, Jill. It's so been so lovely to talk to you today and thank you for your time and your thanks, generosity. Carrie. Uh, let's Wonderful. spread the word even more about, uh, you know, take a chance on me and Clover Lane cons uh, yeah. recruitment and consulting. Uh, and just remember, you are precious. Your thriving matters. Please reset, reach out to somebody today who you haven't said hi to for a while, whether they're family, colleague, friend, or not so close friend. Just show them that you care because you are precious and your thriving matters. Bye. I'm Carrie Benedette, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 